in worship. And I could even hear the sound of many voices, even though we are few in numbers here in the physical realm. There was a host of voices here this morning joining with us and worshipping the Lord. How precious, how precious, how precious. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Show us your glory, O oh Lord. We thank you, Father. We wait on you. Have your way in this meeting, O oh God. You are God. You are Lord. King of glory, come in. King of glory, dwell with us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Precious Jesus. It feels a little bit surreal to be back here. <laughs> but I'm so glad we're back and we're here with you all this morning, praising the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't think I have any announcements. I'll just introduce Pastor Gary. He's bringing the word this morning. Thank you. Amen. It is a little bit surreal going from minus 14 and waist-deep snow to 30 degrees on the Gold Coast in a matter of eight and a half hours. It's uh, crazy, crazy. I just want to acknowledge the church. Last week, everyone come together and church happened. We didn't have to be here. It just happened. We watched it online from, from Chicagogan and we, we just had little tears of joy that our family was meeting together and we could watch from the other side of the world. It was fantastic. So thank you, church. Pastors Ramel and Grace and everyone that helped bring everything together, thank you from our deepest, deepest places in our hearts. What a week it was, 10 days. God woke me a few times while I was there. In just a sec, Nick, thank you. God woke me a few times while we were over in Japan. As some of you know, I'm starting a, a fast today, so you won't see me for about six weeks. I know what's planned in the preaching, and let me encourage you, bring your friends. They need to hear what's going to be preached over the next six weeks. It won't be from me. It'll be from Pastor Amanda. But God woke me, and I'm just going to leave this with you. I'm not saying this is God that said this, but I want to plant a seed in your mind this morning. What if I said to you that the earthquakes that happened a few weeks ago in Turkey and Syria were actually Satan being cast from the second heaven? I'm not saying this is God. I'm saying this is coming from me. But I want you to think about it. And did you notice the so-called revivals, and I'll use that term very loosely, talking about Ashbury and the others that have started, happened after the earthquakes? Start putting two and two together. Let's call them awakenings because at best that's what they are. When people are praising the Lord and seeking Him, fantastic. But what we're seeing is probably man-made. Ashbury actually finished yesterday, did you know that? Because students weren't going to classes and businesses were being affected. That was man-made. Potentially they were worshipping the Antichrist or a false Jesus. Potentially. Didn't see too much of the gospel getting preached. Didn't see too many people getting saved. Saw openly gay worship leaders leading worship the whole time. Let's think about it. What were we actually seeing? Look at some of the so-called prophets that flocked there. Todd Bentley as an example. We pray for his salvation. But as Pastor Amel said at the start, what would happen here if revival did hit? Would we be ready for it? I could tell you the answer, but you probably don't want to hear it. There's people here, even in our city, saying, let's start a revival. Doesn't work like that. 
We've got 24-hour worship. It goes for 12 hours, but we'll call it 24-hour. That is not revival, people. That is not revival. My only response, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to share this with everyone, but I needed to. When God wakes you up twice in another country and says, look at what's happening, you've got to do it. My only response to these so-called revivals, these awakenings, is show me the fruit. Show me the fruit. If there's a sign on the door saying that if you're over 25, you can't enter, that's not revival. Without repentance and reformation, it can't be revival, people. But when there is revival, it will begin with a reformation. It's coming. It's coming. You heard Brother Sadu say a couple of weeks ago, the church in Australia is worse than the church of Laodicea. Take that to heart because every one of you has said we are the church. But when revival comes, there will be reformation. There will be a turning back to Christ. And then revival comes, closely followed by a revolution. Get ready for that revolution. Our Lord will not be mocked. There should be a lot of people who flock to America should be very embarrassed this morning. Two nights in a row. And as the Lord was showing me this stuff, he, he said clearly, two nights in a row, protect the borders and defend the boundaries. What I didn't realise was the message I was preaching this morning is exactly that. I started writing this message probably six weeks ago and I didn't know why. But he made it pretty clear. Get ready, church. Get ready. That's not my message today. But let me pray for our offering before we go any further. Our offering buckets will go around. There's boxes at the front. You can tap and go. It's the easy way to sow if that's what you want to do. And let me encourage you. Something we heard on every train and every bus we got on in Japan I brought this up a couple of weeks ago as well. Turn your phones off, or at least have them on silent. If you want to be on the phone, go to the end of the carriage and stand in between them. If you want to be on the phone, go outside. We're in church. This is a sanctuary. This is the house of God. It may be used for other things through the week, but this is the house of God. He will not be mocked. So let's pray for our offering. You got your seed there and you're ready to sow? Hang on to it. I've probably got some yen somewhere. <laughs> Lord, we worship your holy name and we give you all the glory for your blessing to us. We offer ourselves, Lord, our time, our hearts and our gifts of our finances to you this morning. Cause your work to grow, Lord, and your church to glow as we give to you today. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. 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 So the buckets will go around. Who enjoyed Pastor Shane's preaching last week? We watched it online. He's, he's an awesome man of God. He's like a dad to us, him and Susan, like mum and dad. We watched it. I don't know whether you noticed. He, he told the church some hard truths. And he said it and everyone laughed a few times. So I hope you took it as the hard truth that he says. He can deliver a hard message in a soft way. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray the Lord's Prayer before we go any further? Pastor Amanda was right. We, the, the heavenly hosts are here this morning. You can feel it. I was walking around during worship and there's little pockets in here where you can feel it. Some are really hot and some are cold. As I, as I walk past some people, you could feel it, that the Holy Spirit was all over them. And others, you could almost feel being pushed away. This place is becoming a portal. This is where we're going to see angels ascending and descending. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Is it our kingdom? No, but we can be part of it, can't we? It's his kingdom. It's his power. It's his glory, church. We've got to understand this. We can do nothing without him. Do nothing without him. Take your seats. If you're wondering why I'm limping this morning, I, I haven't been wrestling with God. My brain is saying that I'm 20 years old, but my body says no. And I only had a couple of falls on the snowboard, but they were pretty spectacular. Pastor Amanda tried snowboarding for the first time. She skied her whole life. Man, that was a fun day, wasn't it? She's like, shh. She was out of control the whole time. But she looked good. Today we're going to talk about something that we, we've all heard for so long. We want revival. We want revival. We want revival. We're going to talk about the heart's cry for revival. Some of you may get offended by today's message, and I'm, not, I'm fine with that. That's okay. We need to understand what revival is. You can't make it yourself. You can't get a worship leader and someone else to come along and say, we're going to have revival today. It does not work like that. Show me the fruit. Show me the fruit. The text we're going to look at is Psalm 80. 12 through to 14. If you've got your Bible there, open it up. If you're watching online, if you're on the Gold Coast, I encourage you to come to church. But open your Bible up anyway. I want you to read the word as well as me. Verse 12 says, Why have you broken down her hedges? Protect the borders and defend the boundaries. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? The boar out of the woods uproots it and the wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. Come on, Lord, visit this vine. Visit this vine, Lord. The scripture we're going to work through is Psalm 80. Let me read it to you this morning. It's not a long one. It talks about the prayer for Israel's restoration. Notice it doesn't say the prayer for Israel's revival. Restoration, reformation. <laughs> Emma, it's good to see you again. And the Lord... Is on you. What we spoke about earlier in the week, keep going. You've done good. Calling out wrong for wrong and right for right is what we are called to do as Christians. Keep going. Do not stop. Do not stop. Verse 1 Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock who dwell between the cherubim. Shine forth. Who doesn't want to dwell between the cherubim? Before Ephraim, Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your strength and come save us. Restore us, O God, cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry against the prayer of your people? You know, the Lord can be angry against some of your prayers. We're going to start praying His will. You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in great measure. You have made us a strife to our neighbours and our enemies laugh among themselves. Notice the church is getting laughed at by the world. You know, it's Pride Week in Australia. 
The church is being laughed at by the world. Our Prime Minister last night was in the gay Mardi Gras with his whole cabinet. What is wrong with our country? And you, and you want revival? It's not going to happen. You're right saying it's not happening. And as for America, <laughs> verse 7, restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we'll be saved. You have brought a vine out of Egypt and have cast, sorry, you have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepare a room for it and caused it to take deep root and it filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow and the mighty cedars with its bows. Bows. Verse 11, she sent out her boughs to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by the way pluck her fruit? The boar out of the woods uproots it and the wild beast of the field devours it. Return, we beseech you. O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see and visit this vine and the vineyard which your right hand has planted and the branch that you made strong for yourself. It is burned with fire, it is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. You know some people that have been rebuked by the Lord and left the church? They perish. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we will be saved. It's a long piece of scripture. Excuse me for a second. It's a long piece of scripture. But it tells us what we need. Psalm 80 contains a truth that it's urgently important to all of us especially in this time. When I start writing sermons, I might have half a dozen or more on the go at once. It might take me two months, three months. I started writing this weeks and weeks ago. And sometimes you don't know why, but the Lord just says, start typing. This is a word from God that will help us understand the events in our times, what we've been seeing around the world. I have no problem with awakenings. If it wakes the church up, if it wakes the world up, fantastic. This will lead to the heart cry for revival, which in turn will lead to a new life in the church. It's fair to say that most churches are dead. They're preaching dead religion. You've got the Pharisees standing at the pulpit each week. Ministers that are getting caught in adultery and all sorts of things in our city. Still preaching every week. The church is dead if that's the sort of stuff that's going on. Let's look at three words that pinpoint to this truth this morning. The first one is hedges. Going from the cold to the hot's giving me a runny nose. Verse 12 says, why have you broken down the hedges? Haven't we all said that sometimes? Lord, why are you doing this to me? Why have you done this? Surely a good God wouldn't do that. What's the purpose of a hedge? At the heart of this truth is a biblical understanding of hedges or borders or boundaries. In the Bible, we find hedges around three things, a nation, a family, and a person. God's hedge is his invisible wall of protection that he builds. You don't build it. He builds it around a nation, a family, and a person, a church even, or even our possessions when we're obedient to him. Would it be fair to say that the hedge around our country has been broken? 
perhaps even pulled down almost completely. The hedge around family in this country has been pulled down. The hedge around people has been pulled down. The hedge around our churches has definitely been pulled down. In our scripture today, a hedge is a protection or was a protection for a vineyard and a property marker for the owners. In the New Testament, Jesus prayed for Peter, essentially building a hedge of protection around him. We've all prayed for a hedge of protection, haven't we? It doesn't really get built though unless we're obedient to what he's saying. Jesus also prayed for protection for his disciples. Paul prayed for those under his spiritual care. Do you know, as ministers, that's what we do. We pray for your spiritual care. For the next 40 days, that cracker I just ate for communion is it for 40 days. That's it. I'll be praying for you. I'm not doing this for me. I love food. But when Brother Sadu called me out in Mulaney and said, the Lord's calling you to a 40-day fast. The first thing I said to Pastor Amanda was, I'll start the day we get back from Japan. Because the Lord had already told me that back in November last year. And I'd resisted him and resisted him and resisted him. And he had to bring a prophet from India to say, you'll be fasting for 40 days. But I know there's a hedge of protection there. And I'll be praying for you guys during that time. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 10, 4 and 5 provides a powerful insight to this kind of protection. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against every thought, sorry, exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity and obedience in Christ. But there's a problem with hedges, isn't there? Verse 12 mentions broken down hedges. They fall apart. Zane spent yesterday building a new part of his fence. A fence around his house is a hedge. It had fallen apart. He had to rebuild it. He'll go home this afternoon and he'll, he'll paint it. You better paint it. Diana's probably watching. <laughs> Somehow the hedge around Israel was demolished and the nation was ravished by its enemies like a wild pig ravishes a vineyard. Has the hedge around your family been torn down? Today's enemies, like wild pigs, are running rampant throughout the world the nation, and even our own city. We love Japan. Been there a couple of times now. But that country needs God. You know why they don't accept the Lord over there? Because an emperor, a couple of hundred years ago, I think it was, said, we will never be a Christian nation. It was the emperor's birthday on Thursday. We were staying in Shinjuku, one of the, one of the parts of Tokyo, where all the cool stuff happens. And literally the streets were closed. Thousands, ten, millions probably of people were out in the street because the emperor's birthday was on. Imagine when they get the Lord, what will happen? We're like, why didn't we get charged for the train? Why are there thousands of people everywhere? Someone said it's the emperor's birthday. Imagine when they get the Lord. Australia has been suffering a critical moral crisis for years because the church is so weak. God loves you. You're covered in grace. Good luck with that. Look where it's got us. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. We do have the grace of the Lord. But we've got to do a bit more, right? If that's all you've got, Good luck. If that's all you want, you're in the wrong church. I'll give you a couple of others. They're big ones, big screens, skinny jeans, 
smoke machines. You'll get a wishy-washy message which won't do anything for you except make you feel good when you leave. And then tonight you can go to the nightclubs and the brothels and do whatever you want because you're covered by the grace, right? We are confronted with terrorism in our country. Don't look at America, it's here. Street crime. Domestic violence. Human trafficking in our city. It's happening. Drug and alcohol abuse. Sexual immorality. I'm talking about the church here. I'm not talking about the world. And the decay of marriage and the family. Do you think that's not a moral crisis? That the hedges have been torn down and that's happening? But there's more. Jonathan, welcome. There's more. There's spiritual illiteracy. How many people have read their Bible this week? That's a little bit scary when you're standing from the front and you can see how many hands went up. So out of the people that said they'd read it, did you understand it? Out of those ones that said they didn't read it, how will you know what the Lord's saying? You'll be the same people that come to me and say, I've been praying, but I don't hear from the Lord. You don't open this. You're not going to hear from him. There's apathy. She'll be right, mate. We're Australian. She'll be right. Oh, it's Pride Week. She'll be right. I've got 40 days off, so. <laughs> but what, what's wrong with our country? Who believes that there's more than two sexes? Good, no hands went up then. I'm happy about that. There's something wrong with our country. There's a reverence. This is not a church building per se, but on Sunday, this is a church. We've got to have that reverent fear of God. We've seen God take people out in this city. Ministers that weren't preaching the word. Ministers that were supposedly deliverance ministers and they were just toying with the demons. Four of them in a period of six months, dead. Not old men, healthy, youngish. I'll say youngish because I'm, it's almost my birthday, youngish. <laughs> dead, all of a sudden. Got to have a reverent fear for God. We have greed, pride. What comes before a fall? What's been celebrated in our nation this week? That's right. All these things threaten our country. In fact, all these things threaten every nation that's represented here. We have people from, looking around this morning, probably half a dozen different nations. It's in every country you go to. Wander around Shinjuku on Thursday night. The Japanese are a lovely race. Lovely people, friendly, very helpful. But when you can see men in their probably 60s picking up young girls that are probably 18 or 19 on the street and taking them back to hotels and stuff like that, out in the open. And the young girls are standing there with a sign with you know, how much they're charging. Literally, this is out in the open. There's something wrong. That's here though as well. It's in the Philippines, it's in China, it's in New Zealand. Something has been happening in Australia. Our hedges are almost broken down. Almost broken down. And who's broken down those hedges, do you think? Verse 12 says that God is the one who's done it. Don't blame the devil. We could probably blame the church a little bit. 
Remember, you said that you are the church, so don't blame the pastor. Where was the church when gay marriage was voted in in this country? Hiding. They weren't, yeah, they weren't even sleeping. They were hiding. They didn't want to offend anyone. If you remember Brother Sadhu's word a couple of weeks ago, my walk will be violent and confrontational. What a way to empty a church. I need you to pray for me, church. God has done this. God has done it. Because we don't read our Bibles. We don't understand what they say. We don't want to. We want to be covered with grace. And why has he done it? There's three reasons. To bring judgment on his people. You know he brings judgment, right? To awaken us to spiritual vigilance and to bring us to confession and repentance. We want revival. We need to be able to confess our sins and repent. A holy God demands a holy life. Our second thing, the second word we're going to look at is hope. Is there any hope that God will rebuild the hedges? I have hope that he'll rebuild the hedges. The answer is yes. If we understand the ways that God will rebuild the hedge. God builds a hedge through godly people. That's you and me. I hope. Ezekiel 22.30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. If the Lord says, who will stand before me? Is he going to find anyone in this church? I would expect he's going to find about 40-something people today. Will he find anyone in this city? I hope so. There's 600,000-odd people in this city. 50-something percent of them believe that they're Christians. I'm pretty sure he won't find 300,000 people if he asks that question. The remnant is a very small group. Job was a godly man. He was perfect. Not without sin, but wholeheartedly devoted to pleasing God. He was upright. That means in all his relationships, he was right. All his relationships were right. His relationship with God was right. His relationship with himself was right. And with others was right. Yeah, we can have a great relationship with God, but if we don't love ourselves and make ourselves right, it's going to be really difficult. Job feared God and he honoured him. And he hated evil. And he turned away from it. His outward walk was like his inward relationships. He didn't just say it. He actually walked it out. Let me encourage you, church. Start walking out what you profess. Show me the fruit. Don't tell me how godly you are unless I can see it. Don't tell me you're a prophet because as I said to someone a couple of weeks ago, no, you're not, and most of the people you hang around aren't either. Don't tell me you're a prophet and then try and prophesy against what God's saying. Job's outward walk was like his relationships. What he said, he did. You say you're going to pray for someone, pray for them. Don't say, I'll pray for you, sister. And then they drop dead. And you, oh, sorry, Lord. I told them I was going to pray for them. You might have been the one that brought that healing. You might have been the conduit that the Holy Spirit used. We've had it this week. One of Amanda's aunties passed away suddenly, just in the last couple of days. We pray for the family. God builds a hedge through his word. If you're not reading this and you're not understanding it, how is he going to build a hedge? 
Ezekiel 13 teaches this truth. Ezekiel was speaking against the prophets of Israel who'd not retained the hedge. Sort of like what I'm doing now. Speaking against the prophets of this city, of this country, who haven't retained the hedge. They followed their own minds and they saw nothing. We've all heard these prophecies. There's a new one every day. I had a dream last night and the Lord said, no, you had a dream last night. I feel as though, I don't care about your feelings. What's the Lord actually saying? Don't listen to any prophecy that starts like that. Or listen to it and put it on the shelf and see whether it happens or not. Too many of these prophets are writing books and you're lapping them up. You're lapping them up. As Brother Sadu said, people have an experience with God and write a book. Don't do that. Have the experience with God and do something. These prophets followed their own minds and they saw nothing. They did not have the vision that the Lord gives to his true prophets. This example from Scripture teaches us that God builds a hedge through prophets who preach his word. I'll almost guarantee if you ask all these prophets when they last read their Bible, they will struggle to answer you. And you know, this isn't, Lord, I need a word today. Oh. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Oh, that's great. That must be for me. Or, I need a word, Lord. And then he died. How are you going to go if you get that word? Don't do that. Seek the Lord. He builds his hedge through prophets who preach his word. As these servants of God proclaim his standard, because he has a standard, God can build a hedge of protection around a person, a family, a church, a city, or even a nation. As we proclaim his standard, there is two sexes, male and female. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Start proclaiming it. Don't be scared. Who cares what the world says? Yes, our our state's trying to bring in a law that I can get locked up for saying that each week. Awesome. Get your bail money ready. You can bail me out every week. Start proclaiming at church. God builds a hedge through prayer. Ezekiel 22.30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap. Notice I've used this scripture a couple of times now. Before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Stand in that gap in prayer. I can't carry the load myself. God builds a hedge when his people engage in intercessory prayer. And intercessory prayer isn't what most of us do. Intercessory prayer is deeper. It's battle. Ask a couple of the intercessors here what it's really like. Sue knows. She goes and gets beaten up all the time on behalf of the church. That's why she can bring a word all the time. And we know it's from God and it's every time she has a prophecy. It's backed up by scripture. Not just one, but often two, three or four. We need to divert unbelief and return to righteous living. Who believes that they can heal the sick? With God. So why aren't we doing it? Who believes that one day they'll raise someone from the dead through the Holy Spirit? Come on. That's the righteous living. We're going to start diverting our unbelief. If Jesus did it, he actually said, we will do greater things. If you don't believe that praying for the sick is going to get them healed, do you even believe that Jesus walked the earth? Because that's the basic. You can't have one without the other. I'm going to challenge you for the rest of this year. If that empties the church out, so be it. 
Got me myself and Pastor Amanda, Nick and Sue, and Carolyn will be here, Patty, Romel and Grace. If it empties the church out, so be it. We're getting off the milk. We are going on to perfection. If you're not ready to chew the meat, go to the spiritual dentist and get some new teeth. Get ready. For three and a half years I've preached a very basic message for three and a half years to get people ready. You know what? Keep up now. We need to divert the unbelief and return to righteous living. I can see a day coming when the majority of our population is one to Christ. It might be after the tribulation starts. I might start thinking, oh, maybe the church was right. I can see a day when our churches are filled with worshippers, not music, not music, worshippers, different, very different things. What we have here is worship. What we have with big screens, skinny jeans and smoke machines is often music, it's entertainment. When a church has a screen that's worth $100,000, it's a little bit hard to say that that's worship. Not saying that there's believers not in there, but it becomes performance when you've got to pay for that big screen, right? You know how much it costs to run a smoke machine every week? Someone's got to pay for that. God builds the hedges of protection when we pray. We've got to understand that church. We've got to pray. If you don't know how to pray, join Pastor Shane and Pastor Cindy's, oh, excuse me, Tuesday night group. They will teach you how to pray. Our third thing is the heart cry. What is your heart saying to you? What is it yearning for? I one of these for me. What's your heart yearning for? Is it a new house or a new car or a better job? Or is it a closer walk with Christ? Amen. Your call. He might give you the new car and the new house or the new job. But without walking with him, good luck. I know which one I'd prefer. When the psalmist Asaph realised what was happening to the hedges of protection. He wrote this heart cry for revival in verse 14. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts, Lord, that's our prayer today, return. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine. Who's looking forward to the Lord returning quickly? So those of you that didn't put your hand up, you need to get yourself ready because he might just come sooner than what you think. Lord, visit this nation. You've broken down the hedge that guarded our country. But we know that you want to bless us again. Turn us to you, Lord. Can we all say that? Turn us to you, Lord. This is our heart cry. I don't care what happens in the world. I really don't. It was prophesied that this year Japan would fail, South Korea would be in trouble, and Israel would start getting bombed. Guess which three countries we're going to this year? Hallelujah. Come on. That's our heart's cry. Protect us, Lord. We will follow you wherever you say to go. Lord, visit your church. Can we say that? Who wants him to walk in? Are you ready for it? What if John the Baptist walked in? Would we let him in the, in the room? Lord, visit your church. You birthed it. No, it's his church. Just over three and a half years ago, we started this church because God said, we had 30-something people say, we're with you, Pastor Gary. We got your back. On day one, how many people were there, Pastor Amanda? Two of us, that's it. Everyone that had our back took off. Flaky, flaky Christians. If you say you're going to do something, do it. It's his church. 
He birthed it. He is building it. I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about the church in general. It belongs to Him. You might call it your church, but it's actually His. You're part of it. It exists for His purposes. You know the Lord only works through His church? He doesn't work through individual ministries that aren't attached to a church doing their own thing. We've seen so many of them come through here and take people out of the church. They normally walk in and say, you're a prophetess. You're this, you're that. And they go, oh, the church never told me that. I'll join your ministry. What happens to the fruit and the vine when it gets cut off? It withers and dies. Stay attached to the vine. The church exists for his purpose. Not for yours, not for mine. I'm an introvert. I preach because the Lord said. It's not my first choice of profession. But I love it because he said. This is our heart cry for reformation. Come back to the word of God. What was sin in the Old Testament is still sin now. It's our heart cry for revival. When we get that reformation, when it comes, and I believe this church is a catalyst for it in our city, revival will come. People will flock in because we'll be reading the word, we'll be praying, we'll be ready. As Pastor Ramel said, when revival comes to this church, are you ready for it? Are you ready for it, church? We had a taste of what it could look like a couple of weeks ago when we had 342 chairs out and there were still people having to stand at the back. Are you ready for it? Because that's going to mean work. It's going to mean prayer. It's going to mean sacrifice. It's going to mean discipling. It's going to mean that you might actually have to tithe. Oh, did he say that? We might actually have to be obedient and give because that's what the word says. Yes. But tithing is Old Testament. Awesome. Let's go New Testament. Give everything. Let's run with that. And this isn't about money. Don't get me wrong. But there's sacrifice when you walk with the Lord. The question was asked when we were in Mulaney, are you willing to pay the price? Who would give up their family and their children for what the Lord has? I saw two hands go up. There may have been more. Guess which two hands they were? And Sue and Nick. Are you willing to pay the price? You don't have to answer that because I know the answer for most people is no. I'll pay a little bit. Are you willing to actually go all the way that God wants you to go? Because he's got so much more for you. If you think being blessed and having a new car or something like that's it, that's okay. Imagine if you could drive that new car on the streets paved in gold in heaven. I'm looking forward to the flaming chariot that uh, was prophesied over me. Look at that but are you willing to pay the price? We're trying to figure out whether it's a two-seat chariot or not, aren't we? <laughs> That's right. This is our heart cry, isn't it? For reformation, for revival, and, and for souls. We want to see souls come into the kingdom. Who's got unsaved family members? Most of us. Who wants to see them come into the kingdom? Now, for some, it might be on their deathbed and they wasted their lives. But I want those crowns of glory I preached about a few weeks ago. You know, we could just have a, a basic gold crown. That'd be cool. But wouldn't it be better to have all different ones that we could choose from each day? Our hearts cry, Lord, is for you to visit our families. Many families are suffering. 
Even within the building today, there's families suffering. We need help. Lord, restore the hedge around our family should be one of our, our cries to the Lord each day. Restore that hedge. Protect our families. Lord, visit our homes with revival. Yeah, if you think you need to go to a church for revival, you need to read your Bible. You can have it now. The same Holy Spirit is within you. The same Holy Spirit. You can have revival by yourself. You can have revival with your husband or wife or with your children at home. The vision I had maybe in 2017, might have been 15, was little fires starting everywhere on the Gold Coast. They all come back to the main source. You could have that revival. That's the first thing I said about America. Why is everyone going there when people should be going out? Lord, visit our lives. Get our attention. Who wants the Lord to get their attention? Are you ready for it when he does? Because you may not like it to start with. You know, people, Lord, I call down fire. Give me the fire, Lord. Let it fall on me. Be careful you don't get burnt up. Be careful. Some of the people that I hear say that, they are going to get burnt up. If fire falls on them, they're done. But we've built the altar here. We've put the sacrifice on it and the fire will fall. That's been prophesied over this church. Lord, get our attention. I pray that when he gets your attention, he doesn't have to do much to get it. Because if he has to do something big, you're probably not going to like it. Lord, we're being overcome with evil. We've sinned as a nation. The church as a whole has sinned. The protection is gone. Lord, visit our lives. Visit our lives, Lord. Lord, come back and rebuild the hedges around the church, around the people, around our city, around our nation. Visit our lives, Lord. I'm going to finish up in just a sec. Now, I heard a story about a young Bible college student who was preparing at the evening service at his church. He was going to preach for the first time. And the senior pastor was an elderly, elderly guy. And he witnessed some glorious outpourings of the Spirit in his early years. You know, our, our elderly pastors in this city, but I'm sure in many places, have a lot to answer for. We know ministers, there's about a dozen of them that meet each week at Coffee Club who have seen the Lord move and don't even go to church anymore. They've got a lot to answer for. They've seen how the Lord works, but they're not willing to disciple people. It's all over the world, but we just know some personally. But this senior pastor witnessed some glorious outpourings. And it'd been a long time been a long time. We've seen the Lord move in so many different nations. We've seen growths on people's necks shrink and disappear. We've seen crippled get up and walk. One saw a crippled man in Papua New Guinea come to the meeting one night and walk off the stage. He was twisted up with polio or whatever it was. The very next night, I'm standing there preaching and that same man's there holding his son who was all crippled up as well. Brought the son up on stage and the son walked off as well. Why don't we see that here? Why don't we see that as much in Australia? Yeah, we've seen some miracles happen here. Seen skin cancers fall off people's faces and, and that, but why don't we see the big things? Do we not have the faith for it? Do we not believe that the Lord said? In fact, they're the two reasons. We don't actually believe it and we don't have the faith for it. 
we're worried what someone might think. The other reason is so many people are on welfare, they, they want their prayer, but if they get their healing, they lose their welfare. There's a couple of churches in Southport, a couple of ministries in Southport that would be out of business if people got their healing. I live in Southport, so it's okay. They probably know where I live. But this senior pastor longingly told the Bible college student, longingly, lovingly, that he and his wife had been praying every morning for 10 years to see one more mighty move of the Spirit. You know, sometimes you might need to pray more than once for something. You might need to pray every morning for 10 years, 20 years. That prophecy that someone gave you might not happen instantly, but they're starting to. What used to take a year is now taking a month. What used to take a month is now taking a day. But he prayed every day for one more mighty move of the Spirit. And then this young preacher gets up and he'd hardly started his sermon when a woman had begun weeping. And then another one. And then another one. You know, it's not about the preacher. It's not about what he's preaching. It's definitely not about the worship team and how good they can play an instrument or how good they can sing. It's about the Holy Spirit. Soon the entire congregation was on its knees Weeping. And in the midst of prayer and weeping, these people were accepting Christ as their saviour. These were people that had been in church for years, accepting Christ as their saviour. I need you to hear that. Because some people, some churches are full of people that have been there for years that need to accept their saviour. Is that another sacred cow? We kick that one a bit harder, do you think? So many people that fill churches are not saved. They like the worship. They go there and meet their friend for a coffee. Some of them are even looking for a husband or wife. They're not saved. If church is an option, if your friend's not there and you don't go, I'll just leave that at that. Old animosities were being healed. Broken families were being united and new spiritual commitments were being made. This young guy had only just started preaching. And the pastor, the elderly pastor was so excited, he's walking up and down the aisles and whispering to the people that knew that he'd been praying for years. He did it one more time. He did it one more time. Don't we want to see that? Don't we want to see it? Lord, visit this vine. Visit this vine. Lord, we thank you. I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want to kick too many sacred cows up. Lord, visit this vine. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there is a remnant in this building right now. Lord, that you will rebuild the hedges around this nation. Lord, in fact, around every nation that's represented here this morning. If you're not Australian, pop your hand up. If you weren't born in this country. Australians, have a look around you. All those missionaries that you prayed for, they're here. Lord, send us help, send us help. How many times have we prayed that? They're sitting amongst you right now. Lord, we thank you that you will build your hedge around these nations. You will build your hedge, Lord, around this church and your wider church in this city, in this country. Lord, you will give the church boldness to stand up and be heard and be seen. Lord, if that means you need to remove some Pharisees from pulpits, do it. Lord, lift your church up in this nation. Give your church, Lord, a boldness which they have not seen in generations. Lord, remove those 
thought processes of we will start a revival because we can't do it, Lord. Only you can do it when we're obedient. Lord, give your church a boldness to step out into the world and say, I know Christ. Give your church a boldness, Lord, to say, To say, Lord, that domestic violence in this city is not accepted. Give your church a boldness, Lord, to bring back morals to the body of Christ. I'm not even talking about the world there. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Sally, you're going to have, I know you get dreams and the Lord talks to you but he's going to start disrupting you. He's going to start disrupting you. And there's going to be times when you're doing, I don't know, your grocery shopping or whatever it is, and he's just like, now, Sally, that person needs prayer. And he's just going to drop words of knowledge into your spirit. He's going to disrupt you. It's going to be when, it's going to be like what he does to us. It's going to be when you least want to be doing any sort of ministry. He's going to say, that one. And you're going to go, surely, Lord, not that one. He's going to be like, yes, that one needs this. Here's their backstory. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Gordy, you're going to have to stand by her because she's going to get messed up by it. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Amel and Pastor Grace, I want to confirm the word that I've heard over both of you in the last two weeks. Brother Sadu said it. Pastor Shane said it last week. You're based in Australia, but you'll be going backwards and forwards to the Philippines. When we heard it the second time last weekend, We're sitting there having breakfast and we're like, yes, yes. It's not about the church as as an entity. It's about him. You're part of the refinery family. Does everyone know this is my brother? This is my brother? (laughs) This church is changing direction. The path has just got more narrow. So sometimes we're going to have to walk in single file. Get ready, church. I see a season coming where you may not see myself or Pastor Pastor Amanda or Pastor Amel or or Pastor Grace for, for a time, for a season. Because we're getting called to go to other nations, to go to other cities, to go beyond where people really want to go. So get ready, church. And might come a time when, when all four of us are away. In fact, when we go to Israel later in the year, all four of us will be away for at least one weekend, maybe two. So someone here may need to preach. Someone here may need to do communion. Someone here may need to set everything up. The Lord hasn't told us yet, but get ready, church. As a church, you look around at the numbers here and it looks like a few. But you watch what's about to come out of this church. You watch what's about to come out. This church has been called since before it was planted to impact nations. Nations. Yeah, we have the nations here, but it's now time for us to start going again. Get ready, church. If we all go to Israel for, and we're away for a weekend, are we going to come back the next week and everyone's still here? Or is it going to clear out? Is it going to be like Moses coming down from the mountain and thinking, where'd this golden calf come from? Don't do that, church. Don't build the golden calves. In fact, if you've got some, get rid of them. If you're worshipping worship, kill that golden calf. If you are worshipping a pastor or a ministry, if you're worshipping your ministry, 
kill that golden calf because it's not about you. It's not about your ministry. It's about Him. So Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, that we can gather safely on a Sunday morning in this great city. Lord, we pray that this city, I'm not even going to pray, I'm going to declare that this city is known as the God Coast. Lord, everything that happens in this city will start to turn to You. Lord, our city leaders, whether they profess to be Christian or not, turn to You. Lord, that our nightclubs start to empty. Lord, that our nightclubs are starting to be handed over to become churches and ministry bases. Lord, I thank You. The glory is all Yours. In Jesus' mighty name. Our response is and nice and close, brother and sisters, all together to him be the glory, because this is our response together. <laughs> 